Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to season four of the show. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. Now, before we dive into our exciting interview for today, a quick update on the International Pet Photographer of the Year Awards. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out the top 100 list, make sure you head over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash awards and stay tuned as we're going to be releasing the top 25 list very shortly. It's been incredibly difficult. I'm sure Kirsty can agree. <laughs> um, but also so rewarding to be a part of the whole judging process process for these and we just did want to take a moment to thank you guys our amazing listeners and our fellow pet photographers for getting behind this we're really really proud of how much our awesome industry has continued to grow and and to thrive really over the past few years especially and it's just really great to be able to celebrate that so yeah the final results will be released at the end of august august 30th so if you're listening to this episode you know as we're releasing it that's only a couple of weeks away and we have some very special content all around that when the time comes but yeah we just wanted to pop in and update you guys on that in the meantime though um, we're going to continue bringing you interviews and insights from our awesome guests guests and uh, we're kicking off the new season with a really great one welcome to season four episode four of no not no sorry Welcome to season four, episode one of the Pet Photographers Podcast. So today's guest is a professional traveling pet photographer who specializes in natural candid style portraits. Her business has continued to evolve over the past decade. And as of April, 2019, she officially announced that she would only be accepting commercial clients. We're so interested to hear about this change and find out all about how this talented pet photographer is serving commercial and small businesses. It is the wonderful Sarah McGraw. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. I've been following your work for years, I guess, a decade. Likewise, (laughs) it's so funny to, you know, actually like meet up and talk and chat and have this discussion. I'm really excited. Yay, and we're so excited to have you here. Now, for people who don't know you, um, how would you sort of sum up, I guess, your journey as a photographer? And I started my pet photography business back in 2010. Um, it was kind of a weird story how I got started. I um, was actually was doing architectural photography, and I wasn't really loving it. And my mom suggested pet photography to me. And at the time there weren't a lot of people around and I thought she was kind of crazy for even having that idea. Um, (laughs) so I started doing some research and, um, I found a small handful of pet photographers and I thought, well, I mean, I got a biology degree. I thought I wanted to work with animals, but now I could combine the two things together. So I just started volunteering um, and then started taking on private clients. And that was back in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Mm -hmm. since then, um, I have moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and my business has transformed in all different kinds of ways over the past decade. Um, And 
yeah, this kind of where I am now. It's a, it's a little bit of a weird situation that I have with my business now. So what do you mean? It's a weird situation. It's, it's different because I, I stopped taking commercial clients and I do a lot of traveling. Um, and I try to get clients along the way and I mostly work with commercial clients. So it's, it's a big shift from where I came from. Um, I'm not slammed busy all the time anymore. I really am focusing on more of a work-life balance than what I had back in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So Talk talk us through talk us through the decision making process because that seems you know a little bit wild I guess but we're both you know private um, predominantly work with private clients and I can't imagine I can't imagine how I can't imagine that evolution <laughs> so yes. um, so how did you what made you think in the first place um, were you already sort of working you know seventy five percent with commercial clients or was there quite a big jump there. How, how did that all come about? So when I first started, I was just doing private clients. And then maybe five, six years ago, I started taking on some commercial clients. And that was about half of the work that I was doing. Okay. Um, but I found myself to be on the, the, the path of just grow, 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 keep work, work, work. And I was really, really struggling and I got burned out. And right mm-hmm. about that time, I accepted a position with um, a corporation, a pet-related corporation out in Phoenix. And I made the decision at that point, okay, I'm going to walk away from my business completely and do this. I can still photograph pets. I can still work with animals, but I won't have all the business side and I'll have a more nine-to-five schedule. So I did that and I moved to Phoenix and I realized very quickly the corporate life was not for me. Sorry, were you basically like an, an in-house pet photographer? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was the art director of photography. And so I was still shooting animals. I was, I started doing bigger productions. So I was doing a lot of the producing. And um, it really... It, Having that job for a little bit of time actually really opened my eyes to the fact that I wasn't having a good work-life balance, but at the same time, I was getting the experience um, through the corporation of bigger productions. So when I walked away from that job, I was like, I'm going to start my business and I'm going to start it in Phoenix because I love Phoenix. And... I really had to sit down and analyze like what I was going to do. Was I going to spend the time to build up the private client side of things again and then feel burnt out and overwhelmed and not have that work-life balance? And I, I went that direction for a little while, but I, it just wasn't, I, it wasn't falling in line with where I wanted my life to be. So I decided to stop doing private clients and strictly do commercial clients. And it was a tough, very, very tough decision. It's scary because it's less consistent. You spend a lot of time putting out bids, um, you know, not hearing anything back from people, um, not knowing when your next paycheck basically was going to come. But for me, it afforded me the lifestyle of a lot of the traveling I get to do, Um, getting to make more of my own schedule and not being consistently busy with private clients. Well, it's it's such a unique um, 
career path and career decisions, and I, I'm, I'm completely fascinated. Give us, if you wouldn't mind, a little insight into how you're getting these clients in the first place. Yeah, so it's I've been extremely lucky, and I really hate to use that word because there was a lot of work, but sometimes the hard work at the very beginning pays off years later. And I've been really lucky to have most of my clients come to me not like unsolicited. I I will get emails and people will look for just asking for work. And it's really crazy. I do not seek anything out. I I feel bad saying that, but (laughs) I think it's just, (laughs) (laughs) but it has been. And one of my, um, one of the, the, the clients I had, you know, five, six years ago when I started taking on commercial work is still a client of mine and they, they're super awesome. And actually, um, this is a good, a good suggestion for people who are looking to get into commercial work. Um, we have a deal now, um, with this one client and this is the way it's structured is that I do a library building shoot for them every single month. So I have a contract with them and I go out, shoot what they need. And it's not a formal shoot so much. It's more like what I would shoot with a private client. And I send them to them and we have a certain number of images that they get every month and I'm on retainer with them. So it's really great. That's, they're my, they're my main client. It's my main source of income and it's mostly what I shoot. And they're my biggest commercial client and, and have been this whole time. So Sarah, is that kind of model something that you would be looking to grow with other commercial clients now as well? Are you encouraging Um, that with inquiries or? I would think so, but it's still very important to me to keep that work-life balance. So I'm, I'm definitely of a different kind of mindset than I think a lot of business owners are. I'm not all about like grow, 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 build, build, build. Um, I was, I was in that mindset and trapped into that back at the beginning. And that's when I got burned out. So I try really hard to just keep my personal life and business life super minimal. So I don't have to work constantly to be able to do the things that I do and have the lifestyle that I have. So to answer your question, maybe a client or two, but not something that I would build, 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 build. Mm-hmm. Cause then suddenly that's the entire month, just every exactly. single month doing this. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. So you've got this one, um, client on retainer and then other clients from, mostly that know you from the past that are coming back for random commercial jobs. Is that right? Exactly. And yep. And because I'm on retainer with that one client, I have the flexibility to build, to, to do other shoots or other random jobs that come up. I mean, I'll still take a commercial or a private client every once in a while, you know? Um, but I have that flexibility. Um, and I, it, it's, it's perfect. It's so perfect. It, it works for my lifestyle. Perfect. Okay. Let's rewind. So you've got these commercial clients, um, that you're working with. Um, and on your website, it says, you know, there's a section about, um, that you're always looking for dog and cat models. So I'm assuming pretty much always with your commercial clients, you're supplying the dogs or are they sometimes also? 
Um, typically I supply the dogs for the most part. Most of my commercial clients are pretty lower budget. So, um, so usually I'm the one that's doing a lot of the production and I just supply the dogs. It's just, it's just easier. Um, they usually don't have an in-house producer or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I'm usually doing the, the behind the scenes production stuff. Okay. And what's in it for the client? I mean, not the client, the person who has the dog model or cat model. Do do you also sell to them or they get paid or what happens? Um, the way I've been doing it is sometimes they get paid depending on budget. Um, a lot of times they'll get a product um, as a payment for whatever, you know, whatever I'm shooting, or I will give them files from the shoot. And a lot of times they're happy with that. Um, I've tinkered around in my head with the idea of selling to them too. I know some people are are very successful at doing that. And especially with the model that I have going on with this one particular client where I'm just library building, I'm really toying with that idea of maybe paying them with one file or something like that. And then trying to sell them artwork or the rest of the files. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a good question, but as of right now, I don't have it set up that way. Okay. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if that's double dipping, like, you know, oh, well, you're already getting paid from the commercial. Can you also charge the private? But I guess you're still also toying with that by the sound. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And um, a lot of the times when I do the commercial work, they want copyright to the Mm -hmm. images. So I, that's kind of a fine line is like, well, I don't technically have the rights to sell the stuff. Um, They're okay with me giving them you know, some files as a thank you, especially if it saves them money. But for me to actually sell them, I'm not sure of the legalities of that. Would you have to be selling a different image to your um, providing the company with? I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I would probably end up doing that. Maybe something in a series that I didn't provide to my client and that Mm -hmm. was a different file. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But you're working with, I guess, a lot of smaller business rather than bigger businesses. And Mm -hmm. that's why you're you know, you're, you're doing these model calls, um, you're organizing and doing more of the producing. So what sort of clients are you booking? Like give us an idea there. Um, so I have, oh, I've had like collar companies, gotcha. um, groomers, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that I've done model calls for. Uh, oh, like um, like dog bones, dog treat kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a big shoot recently for a new product that was coming out for separation anxiety in dogs. Um, it's, it's very random, but all pet related always. Mm-hmm. And now I know you can't give us, or I'm, I'm assuming you don't have a set pricing structure that every business comes into because commercial mm-hmm. work, you probably quoting for the job. Yeah. Um, but how, so how are you sort of getting an idea of what to quote when you've got clients who might have a really small budget and you've got clients who might have a really large budget? How are you sort of navigating that field? Mm-hmm. So I've, because of exactly what you said, I decided to make my pricing really simple and straightforward and kind of flat rate. It makes it easier for me too then I'm not struggling so much of, Oh, how much do I need? You need to, um, need to charge. And this may be an unpopular way to do it, but it works for me. And it's very clear and concise to my clients. They totally understand it. They don't get confused by licensing and blah, blah, blah. So what I do 
is I set, I have a half day rate and a full day rate. And that's, that includes my time, me shooting and all of the files with the copyright. So on top of that, then I charge an hourly rate for any pre-production, post-production, um, models, any kind of production expenses. Those are all added on to that flat rate day rate. Okay. So I just kind of have to estimate, well, okay, I have to do a model call. How many hours is that going to take? Okay. Well, that's X amount of money, um, per hour. That's how much that part's going to cost. How much am how many meetings am I going to have over the phone with them? Um, how many hours is that? Um, then production expenses, I just kind of estimate, but I've been doing it for so long that I am pretty accurate now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it may not be the most popular way of doing it, but it works for me and I can send them a price sheet and say, well, this is my flat rate. Um, I can tell you how much I think pre and post-production time is going to be, and that'll give you a price. And gotcha. it's, it's really easy. It's super easy. Plus, then you don't have to um, stress about trying to explain licensing to small businesses, which mm-hmm. is an entirely different kettle of fish as well. Oh, absolutely. And I was struggling in that with that for so, so long. And this just takes it completely out of the equation. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. So talk us through when you're saying, um, you know, the, how much time there's going to be in pre-production, post-production, that sort of thing. What do you mean? Are you talking about you're doing the location scouting? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, you, you're exactly right. So a lot of the pre-production will be, first of all, just our, our meetings over the phone or through emails about what the shoot is going to be like, um, doing model calls, getting in touch with the models, um, putting shot lists together, um, finding locations. Um, if I need to go shopping for props, if I need to go, you know, get food and snacks and water for people during the day, um, there can be, if I have to get human models, if I need to buy clothes for them or find a hair makeup artist, all that would be like pre-production stuff going to set up the location, all that. That's a full-time job. <laughs> it, it very much is. It very much is. And I would love if I could have a producer, <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> and then post-production is as we visualize, like with normal um, private clients, right? Like, yeah. Yep, so the way I have the way I have that set up is that that has me doing the downloading, the backing up. The I kind of call through the files, make sure I throw away kind of the, you know, the test shots and out of focus shots. And then um, that's pretty much all the posts that I do. If they want editing done of the images, they can pick out however many they want. And that's an additional charge. And that's per image. By editing, you mean as in like additional retouching exactly. detail work? Exactly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. But they would all have, you know, your typical Sarah McGraw, lovely, light, bright yep. colors. That's the thing. That's mm-hmm. You're not giving them raw files. I do give them the raw files. Mm-hmm. Usually they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so it's a good little upcharge. So they're like, okay, well, here here are all your, your images. If you do not have a retoucher, then – 
just, I know the shoot. I know what you guys are looking for. Why don't you just pick the 20 images you want and I'll retouch them for you. So that's when I kind of do the color adjustment. I do a little bit of color adjustments on the raw files, but again, they don't really use them. They usually just come to me and have me edit them. Um, but then at that point I'm like, okay, well, here's a 20. I'll go in and you know clean up eye boogers and stray hairs and leashes if there are some and all that good stuff. So that's a little upsell that I can always do, which is nice. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So mm-hmm. um, I know that your, I guess your your approach to dog photography, presumably what your clients would be hiring you for, is that real outdoor adventure, natural light, that sort of thing. Are you also working, so say you're with a groomer, for example, you know, I've kind of done it all. I've done stuff that's been in interiors. Um, I've done studio stuff that I just set up at home or in a location. Um, I kind of do it all, but because I love the outdoor stuff, that's just what I show on my website. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So when did you start moving into commercial stuff? I know you now, you now have on your website that you're only doing commercial work, but how long has this progression taken? Um, so I've had my business almost 10 years and I think I got my first commercial job like year, I'm going to say year four. Um, and they came to me and actually it's the client that I have the contract with. Um, and yeah, they, they just happened to be in the Charlotte area and they were looking for a photographer because their old one was, I think in Colorado or, or somewhere kind of farther away. And they wanted somebody a little bit more local. Mm-hmm. So they could go to the shoots and I met with them and we've been working together ever since. So it's, it's been a good six years, I have to say. Right. Okay. So what advice would you give for anyone who, other than, you know, you happen to have this client who approached you, but mm-hmm. what would be your advice for listeners who wanted to start moving into shooting more commercial work? I think, you know, really just getting yourself out there and, and, and not being scared. I I definitely think you can approach different companies, maybe start small, start with like your local doggy daycares and groomers. They always need photography. And if a worst case scenario, they say no, and maybe you do a volunteer event with them or something and their clients see your work and you get more private clients. But yeah, I would just start small and, and work your way up because once you start getting into the bigger productions, it can be a little overwhelming. And I think if you try to dive right into that, that's, I think a lot of people can get scared there. Um, so yeah, just, just, just keep making connections, getting out there, putting your work out there, talk to small businesses. I think that's a great way to start. Yeah, that makes total sense. So would you, you know, approach them with, it would be even easier if you have a flat fee model like what you're saying. So approach them Mm -hmm. um, with that and a portfolio and sort of get a feel for what they might potentially need and just start up even just having the, start that relationship going, even if you don't necessarily dive straight into them being a client of yours, Mm -hmm. but see how you can quote unquote scratch their back. You mentioned that for you personally, you're not doing a lot of advertising. It's more, or you're not going out and getting those clients. It's more, they're finding you, but how are they finding you in that first place? Um, a lot of it is word of mouth. Uh, I still have a lot of clients that are back East in Charlotte. 
Um, so I still have a lot of connections back there. And a lot of that is word of mouth. They're still finding me through my website. Um, some people find me on Instagram. Um, I really a lot of word of mouth. I, I can't say enough about word of mouth. That's, that's number one. Absolutely. So Sarah, when they do find you in the first place, uh, what does the process then look like um, for these people going from having the idea of, oh, I'm a groomer or a dog treat bakery or whatever, and I need some photos for my website, the thought of that to then them having the finished product. So, you know, are they calling to book? Are they inquiring through the website? How are you managing them? Talk us um, through that booking process kind of. So section. usually people just will send me an email and say that they're looking f- for some work. Um, and we kind of have a discussion, like, what exactly are you looking for? Do you have a specific look in mind? And then I, I might have them send me pictures of what they, they're thinking of. Um, and we kind of brainstorm. I do a little bit of art direction for them. I kind of help them with styling, like, okay, if we, if we did want to have this with a studio background, what colors and you know, what are your, your, what colors are your logo and all that stuff. So we do a little bit of art consultation there. And then, um, I give them a quote for what I think the job will, will take. And if we are all good to go there, then I start all the pre-production work and. Okay. So up until this point, have you met with them in person or? Mm, usually not actually. It's mostly all through email, mm-hmm. believe it or it not. Sense. Yeah. If you're sending photos back and forth, I suppose you're not like creating a, any kind of like Pinterest board or anything like that. It's just back and forth email. Yeah. And sometimes like if there are people involved, like we have to style people in the images, um, I'll do a Pinterest board. And, uh, just for wardrobe type of things or different looks. Um, but yeah, usually it's not meeting in person at all. And sometimes I'll shoot something and never have met them and they're not even there. Oh, that's really rare. It's very rare. Um, they might send me products to shoot and they just leave it up to me. Um, okay. So does that mean that then Sarah, I mean, you could actually be shooting on the other side of the country or or the world, um, for a client mm-hmm. like in comparison to where the client is. Yep, um, absolutely. Or do they actually need, I mean, they don't, I mean, most of the time they're not getting their physical location in the images, are they? No, no, not at all. So, um, yeah, I can, a lot of times it could be anywhere. If they right. want to participate in the shoot, then I might have to travel to them or they travel to me, but, um, it's not always necessary, especially, um, my one client that I have the contract with, I, I rarely ever shoot with them. So it's, oh, really? yeah, they're rarely there because we've worked together for so long and we have that, yeah. you know, that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Pet photography shoots without the client there. That's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's very, um, it's, it's nice to have that extra pressure off your back. Mm-hmm. You can kind of just be you, but Actually, it, may, it makes sense now, Sarah, why you've, I mean, with your lifestyle, just for anybody who doesn't know, Sarah lives in a van. Is that right? Is that permanent or 
it part time. It's part time. Part time. Oh, I do okay. have a condo in in Phoenix. Yeah. Okay, right. But you do yeah. spend a lot of time traveling. Yes, a whole okay. lot, like half the time, probably. Great, and so that totally makes sense why you've gone down the commercial avenue because trying to find private clients all the time when you're on the road is probably a bit more challenging than, especially with this commercial client who's on the retainer. Um, and you know, you, yeah, okay. You have to find the dog models, but most people are just excited to know that their dog is going to be on a package or on a poster or something like that. Um, and if they get a free image from it, I mean, that's, I would be happy with that if it, if it was my dog. Um, so yeah, but, but back to the traveling, that's, that's another reason why I went the commercial route is I can come back to Phoenix or Charlotte or wherever I need to go. I can make a fun trip out of it. I can do some adventures along the way, do my photo shoot and not have to be stuck, say in Phoenix for where my base of my commercial or my private clients would be. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The commercial clients just allow me a lot more freedom. I can pretty much shoot. I don't want to say wherever, but I have time in between shoots to travel or travel to them depending on where they are. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so just backtrack to the booking process because I got a bit distracted. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. My fault. Um, so yeah, you're emailing back and forth, you work out all the details and then do you have some kind of um, system in place to manage their you know, the communication with them from there forward? Are you using any kind of program for that or? Um, I, I use TAVE for all of my studio management. Um, I mostly just use that to just keep, um, questionnaires in there. I do all my invoicing through there. I actually do all of my, um, my finances stuff all through there. Mm -hmm. Um, it just kind of keeps me on a timeline and I don't really have many automations set up in it. Um, I know you can, um, but I haven't felt the need to, to do that because my, I, I've tried to simplify things as much as possible. So mm-hmm. how long is the like typical process from when the client first inquires until when the shoot is complete and the images are delivered? Like, are you talking a matter of weeks or a matter of months? Like, is it a long period or? Um, it can be both. If yeah. it's something smaller, like maybe a, a groomer, for example, and I just need to go into their their salon and set up a background and shoot some of their finished dogs. That's a, I mean that, that they're they're supplying the dogs. I'm going to their location. It's very very straightforward. It can be done really really quickly. Um, for some of the bigger jobs that maybe I'm shooting for three days and I need to find a house and I need to find you know, 15 dog models and, um, so on and so forth. Like that could take, mm-hmm. that could take a few weeks for just the, pre- the pre-production part of it, and then shooting. And then I try to get everything turned around within a week. Cause I was just trying to think like, Oh, well, what would you need to be automating your emails and stuff for to keep in touch? Because it's not like a private client who is, you know, super excited because it's their dog and they're getting beautiful artwork on their wall and they're super, you know, they need to be kept informed all the way along. You know, it's a commercial client probably with, I'm assuming. I see what you're saying. Yeah. None of those, like, I wouldn't think any of my communication with them 
would work with an automation. It's always yeah. different. It's always personalized. So mm-hmm. yeah, no automated emails ever really go out to my commercial mm-hmm. clients. Yeah. And you mentioned in Tave, you're using questionnaires. What does that look like from a commercial client point of view? Um, usually I use it for, so my, I use it for my model calls, actually. Um, I kind gotcha. of, yeah. So it's all right in there and I can search for, um, I actually export it into a spreadsheet um, and I can then pick out, oh, what, what color dogs are they wanting? What, how old do they want them? And the good thing about Tave is they can upload a picture now. So that's more on the commercial side of things. It's more for my model database. Um, for my, when I had private clients that I would more ask them, what are your session goals? Tell me about your dog, its personality, its likes, its dislikes, does it have food allergies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have those questions, um, but they're more for the model call. What's, what sort of numbers are you looking at in your database at the moment for, for dog models? Like do you have a wide range to choose from when a client is, you know, saying they need X, Y, Z, or are you having to kind of, oh, okay, I'll go to this city because that's where that dog is? Um, I'm just starting to grow the model database. I've always just done model calls and people were having to resubmit their dog every single time. So I finally, again, set up those questionnaires in Tave and now I can just go back into it. So my model database is really small right now, just because I'm, I'm starting to grow it, but I'm, I want to have it open to anybody nationwide. That way, if I'm traveling somewhere, I can say, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be shooting in San Diego in a few weeks, for example. Mm -hmm. So I I can put a model call out in San Diego and then say six months from now, if I want to go back to San Diego to shoot, I can just refer back to that. They don't Mm -hmm. have to resubmit. I I think this is actually a really good tip for any photographer, actually, that it's important to set up these systems early on. So, you know, you're saying like, oh, I'm only just starting to do it. Um, But you're also only just starting to really push the the commercial as your 100% income as well, right? Just the last few mm-hmm. months. So, I mean, you're still doing it from the beginning. So that means in five years' time, you're not looking back and going, oh, all those dogs I photographed, where are their details? Yeah, exactly. And and having that, having any kind of studio management software, whether it be Tave or even for a model database like Knack or something, uh, it, it's, it, it's game-changing. It, it makes everything so much easier for you and your clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What else um, have you implemented, Sarah, that has, you would say is game changing or, or that just makes life so much easier as a um, small business owner, I suppose. So um, I also use shoot proof and mm-hmm. that's for galleries. So even if they were, you know, dog models, I'll put their pictures up there and that's great because they can download those pictures straight from shoot proof. Um, I also put some of my commercial work up there because again, they can just download straight from there. And I sometimes use Dropbox for that, but it can kind of clog up my computer some. So ShootProof has been super awesome for uploading images for clients to download or even just preview. So um, if I did a small shoot for a groomer, for example, and they had the raw files, but you know, they don't know how to open them or they don't feel like going through them off of thumb drive, or, for example. Um, they can just go up on ShootProof, scroll through real quick, star their favorites, tell me to edit those. And it's 
it's just, it's just way faster than them writing a list out on an email. Um, it takes forever. Awesome. Oh, we've covered so much already in such a short amount of time. Is there anything else that, you know, any kind of wide tips you wanted to give before we, um, before we let you go? Well, I, Actually, I, 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 I just had a great idea that I might anticipate <laughs> for myself, um, kind of along the same lines as the retainer deal that I'm on. Um, if Again, if somebody is looking for to go into commercial work and they want to start with a small business, and but they want to make sure they have consistent income, great thing to do maybe. I mean, I, I, I could see this working is going to a groomer and saying, Hey, you know, if you need content for your social media every month, I can come in every month, um, or have like a little studio set up that you go into maybe once a week and shoot a couple dogs and you're creating content for them and maybe, maybe put them on retainer. And I mean, what a great way to start just something small, um, something manageable, something that you don't have to have a lot of production with. Yeah, I love that you're essentially you're essentially bringing the subscription model of mm-hmm. business to photography, which I think is amazing because every, yeah. everyone loves that. Such an interesting take on how to bring clients in and how to keep clients. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, Sarah, you've shared so, so much. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank uh, you for I- having me. I hope I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> I tend to. No, it was great. Yeah, just great to hear how uh, you've grown and adapted your business to suit your lifestyle, um, which, I mean, Caitlin and I are both all about, and I know a lot of the listeners as well. It's really inspiring to see somebody recognizing what they want and then, you know, making it happen. Thank you. So, um, thanks so much for sharing all of that. We will have all the links and resources um, that have been mentioned today on the website. So just visit the petphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 0401. Um, if you want to grab uh, those links and other information, if you, you know, want to view it again, jump on there. And next week, guys, we're going to have our live members-only episode that's in the Facebook group, and we're going to chat about how Kirsty and I do approach the commercial shoots that we do do. Do do. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're not a pro member, yeah, very professional over here. If you're not a pro member of the Pet Photographers Club already, don't forget that you can join today and you'll get your first one free and you will help support our podcast and keep it running. Um, so we love our members. Club membership gets you access to the Mastermind group on Facebook, our fortnightly deep dives, the Q&As, plus any you know exclusive discounts and other awesome things that we've got from our guests. And that is all for just $10 a month. So you can head over to the petphotographersclub.com to find out more. That's everything for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, Caitlin and I wish you all the success in your business. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would super appreciate if you would jump onto iTunes and rate and review us um, to help spread the word about um, us. About the <laughs> May your clients be happy, may your business be successful, and may the dogs not pee on your camera bag. Bye, guys. Bye.